Pleasure, another episode of the Joker Character Study Series from Mike, Mike, and Oscar! And we're back. The creepy carnival music can only mean one thing. Either you're in hell or you're listening to another Joker character study entry from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Mike, we're doing Jack Nicholson on September 4th, 2019, the 10-year anniversary of the Gerard Butler, Michael C. Hall fever dream gamer. Your gamer. thoughts? Gerard Butler? Oh, I'm thinking of Gerard Depardieu. That's where my head is. <laughs> I don't know why. I the just, first time those two have ever been confused. I for just each other. confused those two right now <laughs> when you first said it because Gerard, I thought of Depardieu. Right, right. But I did want to ask you yeah. over under on how many bad mm. Jack Nicholson <laughs> impersonations we're going to do today. I was torn between three and a half, uh-huh. a good gambler's number there, right. and 37. Uh, I don't know it's which. It's one or the other. It's no in between uh, for certain. Yes, but like we said, this is. The fourth episode of our Joker character study series, of which we've been going through all the iterations and all the portrayals on the big screen, and the small screen for that matter, of the Clown Prince of Crime. The first episode of this was the history of the Joker character, recapping everybody that isn't going to get their own singular episode within this series. So Mm -hmm. any kind of portrayal of the Joker in a lot of the cartoons, shows, a lot of the video games, uh, some of the stuff that we're not going to give that much attention and time to within this, because we wanted to have these individual episodes to focus on the big portrayals and the most notable portrayals of the character throughout cinematic and TV history. Yeah, our second episode was Cesar Romero on the 1966 Batman, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a campy masterpiece. What a mess that movie was. (laughs) Episode three, we did a crossover with the Stephen King's It series, that franchise, where we previewed it, Chapter 2. We also reviewed the new Joker trailer, but we had the most fun going through the history of evil clowns in entertainment and... In real life, which was terrifying. Yeah, a lot of stuff that I didn't know and gave me trouble sleeping at night afterwards. And we also (laughs) kind of pitched what would happen in a Joker versus Pennywise movie, which was a lot of fun. If you guys are interested in that, definitely go check that out. You'll at least get a couple good laughs out of it. But we're moving on to one of the most famous portrayals of this character in cinema history. Mm -hmm. Talking about the 1989 Tim Burton film Batman, where Jack Nicholson himself, Mr. Cool, played the Joker. Yeah, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for this performance. He lost to Morgan Freeman in Driving Miss Daisy. Can you imagine the outrage (laughs) in this day and age if that were to happen? Why was Morgan Freeman in the best comedy or musical performance? Yeah, that's, that's another good point. One of those uh, old school, you know, let's position this film in one category over the other, and oops, we want a best picture. Yeah, his voice is funny in retrospect after he's done all the voiceover work, mm-hmm. you know, and, he, and the Family Guy parodies, but not in that movie, in that climate. Certainly what not. the hell? No. Anyway, Batman also won the Oscar for best art direction and set decoration here for Burton and Company. Mike, this movie meant a lot to me growing up, sure, but, but not in the way you'd think. Okay. Yes, it was in Uncle Al's tray of uh, VHSs, sure. multiple drawers there, right. but this meant a lot to me because of Batman the Ride at Six Flags Great Adventure. One of the best memories of my life was riding this over and over and over again on a middle school trip. I think we counted it like 14 times 
we just went on oh, and on. Christ. There was no line. <laughs> there was it was like a dead day at the uh, amusement park, and we just had the time of our lives. That is why I have the Dane Bramage I have today. <laughs> was this a sit down coaster, or is this one of those stand up coasters? This was a sit down, but you okay. have the your legs hanging out. Uh, all right. I don't know if they've done away with it since then but i'll never forget probably for danger reasons the theme music i'll never forget (laughs) that that day it was awesome very cool that you have attachment not what i would have expected to be uh the callback for this movie but let's get into it let's talk about the jack portrayal of the joker Uh, as always we're going to have a non-spoiler section and a spoiler review even though we're not talking about the movie in whole there are going to be some plot points brought up we're probably going to spoil some things that's why we're going to break them down into non-spoiler and spoiler but the focus as always is on the actual joker character the history of it the lineage what it was best known for in the years after what it meant to everyone etc etc so let's go michael how are we doing this so we're not going to go into a full bio of jack nicholson here because we've done that before in our 1974 best actor category retrospective episodes one of our first ever Uh, but we do have some production stories and we have a fun little drop for our segment of getting into character getting into character So official pre-production on the Batman 1989 movie began a couple years prior in 1986, but Tim Burton actually didn't get the green light to make this film until after Beetlejuice became the box office hit that it was, making about five times its production budget of $15 million. That's 75. Studios also considered getting Batman onto the big screen after the success of the Superman film in 1978, and producers actually announced the film would have a budget and go into production, the budget of about $15 million at the Comic Art Convention in 1980, kind of the forerunner and the forefather to Comic-Con today. Yeah, the fans drove this property. And they didn't have a lot to go on other than the Superman success and the Burton success. Because remember, 1966 was the last time Batman appeared on the big screen. And after the TV series died like a fat, it had a hard death in 1968. Mm. Studios only wanted Batman and that property for goofball, campy, or comedy ideas. CBS wanted a Batman in space. And Ivan Reitman, who was the hot director at the time, Ghostbusters later, but before that he had, you know, the, the comedies with the animal house etc he was being considered and he wanted bill murray and eddie murphy to play batman and robin respectively mike i'm in <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely can you in. imagine how hilarious eddie murphy would be as a uh, robin It'd be awesome but who would play the Joker there? Bobcat Goldthwait? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Goldthwait. <laughs> no, Terrible we're impression. We're not sorry. We're not sorry. <laughs> anyway, they landed Tim Burton, who said his desire to direct 89's Batman came after reading The Killing Joke and The Dark Knight Returns comics and graphic novels there, which became super successful in the mid-1980s and really jump-started studio interest back in this property. Yeah, you bring a little murder and mayhem in, and all of a sudden everyone takes the property. Now, Seriously, yeah. To play Batman, Burton actually offered the part to the then-unknown Ray Liotta Mm. first before the studios tried to force a movie star like Mel Gibson or Charlie Sheen into that role. But he was able to negotiate Beetlejuice himself Michael Keaton to get into the Big Bat getup, and this caused quite a controversy because the industry at large thought Keaton was only a comedic actor. And remember, we are talking about the 
80s and the early 90s where flexibility and, you know, uh, spreading your creative wings was not shined upon. There were lanes. Right, exactly. You could be typecast. You were restricted into those. Yeah. For the role of the Joker, Burton originally offered this to Brad Dorif, the voice of Chucky, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and as Mike One knows him best, Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. This is a, a name? <laughs> Grima Wormtongue? You don't remember him in The Two Towers? <laughs> He talked to the king. He was the advisor. No, I've, he had a white face, Mike. I've undergone a lot of therapy to block those memories out of my mind. Uh, when Jack was negotiating to play the Joker role, he made sure he got basically whatever he wanted because he's Jack. This yeah. included top billing, a higher salary than his previous films. He only took six million dollars for this one, but he got a lot on the back end. It reportedly ended up getting somewhere in the sixty to ninety million dollar range because he was offered a percentage ah! of the four hundred and eleven million worldwide gross that this film ended up doing yeah and he made sure that he allocated time in his schedule to go to all the laker games can you believe that <laughs> that's so jack well you need to unwind mentally part of the reason for jack's leverage here mike was that he was designed for the role of the joker ever since the property was kind of bought back and put into pre-production according to buzzfeed back in 1980 when michael uslan bought the movie rights to batman he saw a newspaper advertisement for the shining with the iconic here Here's Johnny. Here's one. Jack Nicholson poster, right? Uslan then drew a Joker mask over it. I don't know if he painted it. I can't tell what he did there, but it's nice white. It's really well made. Interesting. The sketch was auctioned off with an opening bid of just under $2,400. That's a really cool story that gets lost in Hollywood lore. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Uh, so how literally did Nicholson get into the Joker character? Uh, the makeup artist, Nick Dugman, got a Nicholson life cast, and then he sculpted five different masks onto the doll. How creepy is that, by the way? That's just just really getting you're like walking in a room and seeing a plastered version of yourself. Of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if the guy is just in tidy whities the, the artist? Yeah, the yeah, artist. I, I thank him for giving me the proper respect that my <laughs> body double was due. <laughs> so, yeah, Dudman made five different masks for the Jack lookalike body double, mm -hmm. and then he would have come in, and Jack was allowed to pick. Jack ends up picking the one that Dudman originally hoped Jack would pick anyway, and the makeoff certainly paid off. In yes. fact, in an interview with David Letterman, Michael Keaton quoted Nicholson as saying, we just gotta let the wardrobe do the acting, kid. That's uh, terrible. Both Thank high you. praise and wise, wise How statement. do you not go with a full impression? I have a lot of money on the under. His, all right. So you have a, <laughs> I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Batman's Oscar-winning art design didn't make for a smooth production, though. Yeah, Tim Burton, all of his artists, they, they love working with him, and he loves working with them. That's kind of his lane. He knows that territory. But, Mike, the ending of this film and the screenwriting territory, not necessarily Tim Burton's bag at this point. They rewrote the ending without his knowledge. They basically commissioned a $100,000 structure of this cathedral without his knowledge. All those stairs, everything, that was added on. This is part of the reason why the budget swelled up from 32 to $48 million by the end of things and famously Burton said this production was torture one of the worst periods in his life there was a point during the finale filming the finale where Jack is just climbing all these stairs. I guess they filmed him climbing all the stairs with Kim Basinger. Basinger? Basinger. Basinger. And he's like, why am I climbing all these stairs? What happens when I get up there? And Burton 
couldn't answer him because he didn't know what the studios had for the new ending yet. Nothing like studios meddling with some A-list directors <laughs> and talent just thinking they know better creatively what's Did they happen. know better? We're going to debate it in spoilers. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the torturous production would end up paying off as well because the movie was a worldwide hit, like we said. It ranked fifth at the time after all was said and done with a $411 million worldwide total box office. And as for Jack, his performance has gone down, obviously, as one of the all-time greats. Yeah, let's get into the historic significance. The historical significance! He, in, in that Letterman interview on Nicholson, said, I think Jack Nicholson was playing Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Does that sound right, Mike? Yeah, I'll be honest. That's kind of, I know we're going to talk about Secret Spice and what made it work, but that's one of my biggest reasons, too. It's that this A-list, larger-than-life actor just totally committed wholeheartedly to this performance, and that's what made it special. I got a couple other things that I think made it special as well, but this is Jack just being Jack for the most part to me. And Jack to 11, right? This oh, yeah. Is so over the top. He seems like he's having an absolute blast playing this role and he's hamming it up oh yeah which is something he does he picks his spots in other movies for sure but this is every scene one after another bigger and bigger and bigger i'm shocked that this is that jack nicholson the the as good as it gets guy the cuckoo's nest guy the shining Mm -hmm. guy is this same character and it's almost it's to me, it's like the most bizarre and obtuse performance of his career in in the Chinatown. You know, like I said, as good as it gets, like there's more famous roles. This doesn't fit to me. Mm-hmm. It's so out there that I wouldn't expect him to do this, but he did it. Like everything he does, he did it awesomely. Now, Hackman was loud in the Superman movie, right, mm-hmm. in 78. But this, I think, sets more of a template for future sure. superhero movie villains and all the actors that would take them. I think this would go for like 15, 20 years where when someone grabs a superhero property, they're like, all right, I got to be over. This is what they follow. Yeah, and I think that's more of the historical significance as well as that. I think this portrayal that Jack did is kind of the the template, the blueprint, call it what you want, of the future Joker performances as well. You could see some Cesar Romero, some happiness and laughter and giddiness in this performance, but Jack is much darker, much more serious at times. And everything from the outfit to the costume design, the permanent smile, the total look. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark Hamill's character, when I know he's just the voice acting, but in Batman the Animated Series, it's basically based off Jack's character. Heath Ledger, there's a lot of inspiration based off of Jack's character. Jared Leto's probably the furthest removed from Jack character but there's still some there i think this was pretty much the template the blueprint this was the starting point for a lot of future portrayals of the joker all credit to caesar romero for starting it off but i think this is kind of the origin of the character on screen for a lot of people that would play it following and we'll talk about it in spoilers but it's a real blend between horror and comedy Like, Jack is legitimately funny in this movie. Oh, yeah. A testament to the script in in many ways. But I wonder how much he kind of went off script and, you know, cracked wise. But he gets soliloquies in this film. And he gets all the gags and the props that the original run of comics had. We talked about those in the first episode from 1940. But there's... The dramatic irony is just dripping throughout this movie. This is an evil, evil man, and he's freaking hilarious. He made me laugh like 20 times. I would love to see in Jack's movie career how many times he's danced on screen. Because he's going nuts in this, like a couple times. He's got like three separate dance numbers in this movie. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's fun. The origin story for this Joker was changed quite a bit from the comics, though. That being said, the web basically connects this one to the Under the Red Hood comic book story. Now, Mike, you just watched the animated film of the same name. Can you see this connection at all? Not 
really. No, especially not from the anime. I think the animated film is a little different from the comic book portrayal, but the animated film, not at all. This also, I know it caught a lot of grief over the years, but there was a lot of not exactly staying true to the source material for this Batman, like in how the, the Wayne parents' death is handled. It was mm-hmm. very retcon to fit the dramatic oh, yes. arc of this story. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and so there's a lot. I know. I remember there was some outrage of they weren't being very true to life, and a lot of the, the comic book nerds took a lot of umbrage with how these things were portrayed. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for what it was, it's certainly a history-making film and performance, and a lot of that is because of what Jack did and put forward anyway, even and though it wasn't this true-to-life comic book story in some ways. And in the film, it gets payoffs that are hilarious like in that last scene so we've covered guys like anthony hopkins great thespian sure with dialogue that wasn't the best exposition dumps and they crush it from mission impossible 2 on down i think jack's doing that with a lot of these lines here i i also think he's got a tight origin story uh the jack napier character is gangster number two he is he ascends after this accident in a toxic waste place we'll talk more about this but he has a clear motivation to inflict pain upon the masses and he also has the apparatus already in place with this crime syndicate so i thought that really worked in many ways it also comes kind of full circle in 2019 the media plays a huge role i love in that. this joker's motivation for doing what he does which i thought was kind of cool as well 30 years removed after the fact and that's significant historically because yeah. the showmanship is so good you got all the fake commercials you got the tv spots within this movie you got jack manipulating the media yeah. like a ringmaster in his own horrifying circus here and he, well, just... he talks about himself i'm an artist i'm not a bad man i'm not crazy i'm an artist in this movie he loves every second of it and he again it's a really tight portrayal in terms of the writing which i enjoyed so much yeah and i I'll, cards on the table i'm not a burton guy I, I'm, I'm really i think he's kind of lost his fastball especially in the most recent stuff he's done 80s but. early 90s burton i love him much more than i yeah. think this is his mountaintop and wow. i is it tim burton or is it more jack nicholson i don't know but i think this is the best work this is I, his gotham his. cathedral you unbeknownst to him all right so to get us out of this segment mike i want to tease our heath ledger episode coming up because there's a couple quotes that nicholson you know let out there to the press that was covered widely new york daily news etc that really shocked me so he was furious that they cast heath ledger without consulting him number one i thought that was interesting i mean is that he's in the right there look when you get to this stage, Tarantino, <laughs> Jack Nicholson, they have healthy egos. You don't give an F. Because they yeah. deserve to have healthy egos. Right. Um, should the studio have consulted Jack before casting someone? I would like to think that Heath Ledger reached out to I don't know. He I did. Re- he okay. did. I didn't have done the research on that yet. So I would, I would be more offended if the guy actually casted didn't reach out to Jack, more so than Jack wanting input on the studio portraying the joker at all because it's a totally different character in the dark knight right and this next quote kind of connects to that and we we don't see jack nicholson's face in the new york daily news article we don't see this interview Mm -hmm. on youtube somewhere i don't know the tone i don't know if he was reverent we don't know but after heath ledger's death jack nicholson was interviewed and he was like well 
I warned him. Jesus Christ. And, you know, you connect it to Heath's origin story where he deprived himself for, of sleep for a month, locked himself in a room. Watching and, Clockwork Orange until he thought it was funny, yeah. And then he died. Crazy stories. He dies because of an overdose of sleeping pills. Right. And I don't know if it was narcotics, but he screwed that up. So, because he couldn't sleep. Now, I you guess, can go right? a billion directions with that. Because, the, again, the Heath Ledger character was much more, as dark as Jack was. And Jack is particularly dark in this. There's still that campy kind of steampunkness over the topness right. that goes on with this and the dark knight is a gritty true to life new york city based so there's there's differences and and there's much more i think to get lost in heath's mindset with his joker than jack because for all intents and purposes as amazing as jack was what makes this portrayal so amazing is that it's still jack it's still Jack. He's got the showmanship. He's got fun scenes. Yeah, he doesn't really lose himself in the character. He brings the character he played to himself. For three weeks right. because he had to go to all those Laker games. Right. He, he literally you know, negotiated the fact that I'm going to work this role for three weeks. He didn't go to, with Kubrick to the Overlook Hotel right. and have to live that. Mm-hmm. You know, The Shining for months on end. Yeah. and you, maybe, yeah, He uh, made the Joker Jackie more so than the Joker made Jack Jokery. Okay, so to discuss the historical significance of the film, Michael, I can't help but wonder if they selected Tim Burton because they thought he was going to go more camp after 1966's Batman, after Pee-wee's Big Adventure, mm. Beetlejuice kind of deal, and then they get this stylized gritty new comic book portrayal you know i would argue with that thinking because beetlejuice there's some dark moments oh yeah peewee there's some dark moments there's some dark moments but it's more fun than not oh right? absolutely yeah overall the tone more is funny much more than com- not, yeah. i mean it's probably listed as a comedy but it's not like tim burton it's totally un. you can't see this coming it's unforeseen how he would make something so gritty and more true to life mm-hmm. uh, the the template was there. i know we keep saying template template but it was there the evidence that was in his Previous work, I would argue. He definitely had a penchant for dark comedy and for, for those notes. Uh, you're, you're right about that. And the caped crusader in Gotham, it lends itself easier to kind of a dark, real real take. That being said, the last time this yeah. was pr- popular was with the campy right. nonsense. Sure, with exploding sharks. <laughs> with exploding sharks, that's right. <laughs> what a great episode that was. As for Batman, Mike, look... I think he screws up one crime after the next in this movie. I think right from the first scene, those robber junkies, they basically get away, and he just beats them up, and he walks away. It's just I revenge. love that Batman screws up like this, because he's just a... Re- I, like he's, he's late. Not, he's, he's not this trained ninja. How many people die in this movie? A lot. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, he's, he's taking out people left and right, or at least the implication is that. But Batman, like, he'll fall, he'll save Vicky Val, go up to this high thing to keep Vicky Val safe, and mm-hmm. he'll drop down, and he'll drop and just land on his back. You know, and like he'll have to fight from his back. He does a lot of human things. He's not this toned and trained ninja he gets, that's able to get out of all these situations. He gets stunned easily. Yeah. And knocked the, out. The henchmen shoot him. <laughs> the henchmen shoot him Mike, with guns. What if he shot you in the face? Could be a quote used by us throughout this rewatch. It, well, you know, if they shot him in the face, he's done. Poor execution on their part. Yeah, they should have aimed higher. Finally, this is definitely a male fantasy, I would say, and that's kind of one overarching negative of this women are damsels in distress and we could do a whole series uh, on vicky vale's agency being stripped away from her equality in gender and racial tone was an issue in 1989 i will just remind everyone that driving miss daisy won the best picture that year so yeah we're not in the most progressive area uh, with either of those equal rights arguments i would say 
Good reminder. Let's get into spoilers, Mike. Let's do it. Spoilers ahead! Listen. Maybe we can cut a deal. Jack. Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> this is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section covering Jack Nicholson's portrayal as the Joker in Tim Burton's Batman movie from 1989 as part of the Joker character study series from Mike Mike and Oscar. Uh, like we said, not concentrating on the movie per se, but we will spoil some aspects of it as we go through Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Clown Prince of Crime. So if you don't want it spoiled, this may be a good time for you to hit pause, go watch the movie, and then come back and hit play and listen to this part. But as it is, we're going all spoilers here talking about Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker, part of the Joker character study series from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Let's start by talking about some of the most memorable quotes or actions Jack had in this film. Most memorable quote or action. So we both have a list here, Mike. And yeah, and gonna run ironically, I think we only share, I mean, we did these independent of each other, taking yeah. these notes, but I think we only share one quote that we think is memorable. I have six, I think you said you have seven, so let's just run them down. And, you know, in advance, sorry for the bad impressions that we knew was going to I'm happen. not sorry! <laughs> All right, so Batman is at the chemical plant with Jack Napier, and he's being set up, right? And Batman and Jack Napier see each other for the first time, and of course Jack's like, Nice outfit. <laughs> yes, I love that. So Jack gets out of there. I love the transformation. And he goes to get vengeance on Jack Palance or Grissom, right? By the way, Jack Palance, could you mail in a performance in a blockbuster <laughs> any more than he did in this one? The breathiest actor I've ever seen, <laughs> he's, right? He's shot. His reaction of, like, Jack, we need you to play being shot in the chest. He just, like, grabs his chest slowly and falls backwards a little bit. It's so bad. I'm he sorry. Had had I know career. he's one of the greats, yeah. but that's bad. He was uh, working off of that City Slickers. Yeah, exactly. Really, uh, did City Slickers No, like, I think again? City Slickers comes out two years nice. later. All right, so Jack busts into the office, and after a preamble, he goes, you can call me Joker, and as you can see, I'm a lot happier. And I just said, hey, jumps around like a looney tune after he shoots him. Yeah, Jack Nicholson doing some and one gunshots behind the back, over the shoulder, blah, blah, blah. In that same soliloquy, one of my memorable quotes was, before he opens fire on the Grissom character, Jack goes, I've been dead once already. It's very liberating. You should consider it. I there like that. Are. There's Jack. <laughs> there he is. Uh, he gets home at his apartment and uh, his girlfriend who was the girlfriend of the, the big boss there mm -hmm. as well he goes honey you won't believe what happened to me today <laughs> <laughs> funny follow up Kill to it she passes out and faints immediately after like, it brings us to a non sequitur yeah he has a handshake electrocution thing with the, the mob boss I love it I absolutely love that. You're a little hot under the collar. <laughs> it, just, it just kills me. He's talking about Gotham in general and what he's going to do with these big plans. This town needs an enema. Yeah, that's a good one. I yeah, that's, the, that's one of my favorite too. I love the commercials and love that Joker. Yeah, <laughs> new and improved Joker products with a secret ingredient. And it's so nefarious how it's like brought up because they're just they're he interrupts the news talking about these two models that just died uh, very 
sad passing of these two models. And then he uses cutouts of those dead models. Those same models. In his Joker product placement. And the other people in the commercial, they've been using brand X. <laughs> <laughs> he just holds it. I was just dying to deadpan of that. I think my favorite quote, though, Mike, is him mimicking Jack Palance. And this is Nicholson doing an impersonation of Jack Palance. And my uncle used to grab my cheeks, Mike, like Billy Madison. <laughs> like I was a fat kid in Billy Madison. He used to grab my cheeks and do this to me throughout my whole childhood. My <laughs> Uncle Kevin. So if you're listening, Uncle Kevin, thank you. Because I, I still laugh at this to this day. He, he grabs Bobby, his number one henchman, the Joker's henchman. And he goes, you are my number one a guy. <laughs> the way great. the relationship between Joker and Bobby throughout this movie is so funny because Joker relies on him wholeheartedly and Bobby's willing to do everything he yeah. says. And it's just still not enough because as soon as something goes ultimately wrong, Joker just blows him away. <laughs> I want a road trip comedy between these two. I want the preamble to that before Batman gets involved. I don't need a you know love triangle. I just want those two. We get to the museum where Joker confronts Vicky Vale knowing that she, he's infatuated with Vicky Vale's look. Mm-hmm. And then he learns that Vicky Vale is attached to Bruce Wayne in some way. So he's going to use her as a pawn basically to do his big deeds in Gotham mm-hmm. and so he sits her down and explains that he wants Vicky Vale to be his partner and wants to you know I'm an artist I want you to be basically my curator and she goes you're joking <laughs> do I look like I'm joking <laughs> with a me. giant prosthetic smile plastered across yes, his face kill me. I'm the first homicidal artist <laughs> and she's like what do you want my face on the one dollar bill <laughs> it's a great scene that whole sequence might be my favorite yeah it's movie awesome right there. of course he gets the water in his face at the end of that or middle of that sequence rather and i love how the flesh tone washes off that's the makeup and his skin is actually the joker mask (laughs) i I didn't even realize that when i was young yeah until that scene it was just brilliant i missed the scene previously i guess when i was younger because i was thinking about the ride (laughs) because i know he puts the makeup on. naturally batman intervenes in that scene later on he goes away with a you know the bat claw and the bat batarang and all this and where does he get all those wonderful toys (laughs) great that's like half the movie and we're already quoting it like crazy what is your favorite do you think my favorite quote? Yeah. Mine's Tell- number one guy, I, that, but that's biased. But Tell me you- something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of my prey. I just like the sound of it. That's fucked up. And then after he shoots Bruce Wayne, he goes, never rub another man's rhubarb. Why? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> what does that mean, rubbing rhubarb? Isn't rhubarb like stuff like put in jelly? It's like, yeah, you can bake it a pot. I don't know. I have no idea why he says this. I, In my mind, he just made it up off the cuff. And they're like, yeah, beautiful. Just keep it. Is he training for iron weed when, you know, oh, rhubarb God. was like a thing? Yeah, that movie was rough. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the secret spice. What did make this Joker work, Mike? The secret spice, or what made it work? (laughs) Jack being Jack is a big part of it, yes? It's a huge part of it, but I also think, you know, number one, I got a couple of reasons, but number one, dramatic ironies all over this character. It's pure evil, but he also has all the showmanship in the world. A lot of flair. The fact that he characterizes himself as the first (laughs) homicidal artist, I think that's just brilliant. I I think, again, it's a tight script for him, and I loved it. I think there's a lot of good and a lot of... There's this really weird tightrope, because it is a gritty and true crime, or or true-to-life type story, but it's also very campy, and the campiness is what provides the backdrop for a lot of the humor, too. It makes Mm. it okay to laugh at some of these things, and 
makes it okay that they're even saying these jokes. And a lot of that, I think, is done to how Burton portrayed Gotham, because Gotham's like this retro steampunk. It's not New York City. It's no. a comic book town. And it's over the top and very gloomy and very tall buildings and like macabre type settings. And well, you get the disparity between the wealthy and the the poor. I mean, sure, it's, it's completely two ends of the spectrum here. You got the museums that are lavish mm-hmm. and all the parties that are you know the casino party that Bruce throws. Every and then you t- have every tall building has like a gargoyle on the side of it, which comes into play later anyway. Except in this mythology, the rich person is going to save us. I mean, this is. <laughs> Right? It is kind of effed up, This is just one big analogy for Reaganomics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. But Joker's got class in in this movie, too. And he's satirizing the excess of that decade of the 1980s with all these shenanigans. I mean, he's going to a museum, for Christ's sake, and he's just defacing the art with, like, all of his goofy, you know, clown guys. Joker was here and dancing around a prince there and making his own artwork. What prince song would you dance around to if you were in this art house slash factory slash restaurant that this building was. Well, I don't think he could have done it in, in 1989, but 1999 <laughs> is probably my favorite <laughs> dance song. But I Want to Be Your Lover would have blown my brain, and I don't know if Purple Rain would have done the same thing. But would Purple Rain not have been most appropriate for that suit Jack was wearing? Come on. Yeah. If you have Prince doing the soundtrack anyway, yeah. let's go full bore with this, please. Yeah, probably. <laughs> when, when did Purple Raid come out? Early 80s? It was 84, I think. I'm pretty sure. It was there for a while. Yeah, you're right. 84. We, we paused it. Inexcusable. Right Inexcusable. <laughs> Should have been dancing to Purple Rain. How about you, Mike? What do you think? Is Secret Spice. I, I think a lot of the, the Jack turning up to 11 is where I land on it most because he's not just himself. He's really himself. Embracing the darker side of himself. Like, if this is Jack going full heel, I am one of the most successful and powerful actors of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm going above and beyond. I'm going to dance in everyone's face. I'm going to laugh like an absolute maniac. I'm going to be the person that, you know, the media maybe portrays me to be sometimes just because I have fame and wealth. And I, this might have been cathartic for him for all we know. He's, I haven't really found anything to suggest that he took that angle on it. But celebrities... Mm-hmm. As much as they're deified now, they were demonized a lot in the early 90s and 80s, and people were jealous of them, and why are they making so much money, and it's not right, and blah, blah, blah. So if he used that as motivation to kind of embrace this character, I'm all for it. And I think there might have been some of that in there, because this is what made the character special to me. It was just Jack being Jack, but like you said earlier, Jack turned up to an 11. And he doesn't play villains that often in his career, and yet he's played two of the most iconic villains ever. Yeah. So that's that's all. Awesome. Uh, Mike, reason number two for me, and this is a criticism of 1966's Batman, this Joker is so capable. Yeah. He's one step ahead of Batman, and then they kind of trade bestings of one another. But every time Batman, you know, gets one on him, he goes over the top and sends another commercial out there. And it's just great. Cesar Romero was sidelined. We talked about that in the previous movie. He was a glorified henchman, and here, this is mastermind Joker for a change. Yeah, if you can believe it, the Joker actually wasn't the main baddie so it's nice to see the joker as the main bad guy it's also nice to see his attacks being very clown centric the mimes is my favorite part like when the mimes all sneak up on the press conference i just love the flair of all where does he find these henchmen this quickly to put this plan together that was my question those are some kooky ass henchmen yeah, yeah like those he's, mobsters he takes over for grissom at that big meeting of all the mobs he mm. makes a statement with the the buzzer that burns the guy alive right in front of everyone and yeah he's got an army 
have henchmen at his disposal immediately. All these assassins must have been like Bill Hader and Barry. <laughs> they're taking acting classes on the side, Mike. They're they're ready to spread their acting wings. I mean, in the 80s, there was no internet, so were there just help-wanted signs posted around Gotham? Like, are you down on your... Do you hate bats? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> but this is a major operation, and it's a movement in a way. You got his cars are painted green and purple. It's I love that. He's shooting acid out of the flower in his lapel. Oh, that plays a the big gags. role. Yeah, I I, it. I, it, it's awesome. So final major segment coming up now, Mike. Yeah, let's talk about how evil was the deed. How evil were my deeds? <laughs> So like we said, Joker is a very prominent figure in this Batman movie. The first appearance of the Joker is just over eight minutes long. Technically, over just over eight minutes into the movie, we get our introduction to Jack Napier. We actually mm -hmm. don't meet the Joker character until about 40 minutes into the movie. So what happens in those first 40 minutes, we already hinted at some of it. Jack Napier is Grissom's right-hand man. He's probably having an affair with Grissom's girlfriend. There's a big... Introduction to Harvey Dent, played by Carl Weathers. Yes. Carl Weathers is getting on to the Grissom crime family, so Grissom needs to get his records out of Axis Chemical, and he's going to send Jack Napier to do it, except he's setting Jack Napier up because he's going to inform the cops. And there's one evil, corrupt cop that apparently everybody knows is evil and corrupt. Eckert. And we know yeah. because of his voice. <laughs> like this for the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Come on. So things go wrong at the Axis Chemical Plant. Jack Napier ends up falling into a vat of acid. As one does. Uh, of course. And he blames Batman for this because what? Batman could have saved him. Could have helped him. He was dangling over the pit. Look, Batman had his grip, lost his grip. This is before Batman really did a lot of weight training. I mean, he just... <laughs> He hangs. He's not graceful. We've seen this in he, the movie. He's got chicken legs, too, this yeah. Batman. It's, it's all the suit, this Batman. <laughs> There's a point in this movie where he is wearing a black turtleneck and skinny jeans, mm -hmm. and good God, does he look like a wiener. <laughs> he looks like a human wiener. And it's fine. I, it's, I, I, I wish I was You're saying hashtag not my Batman? Is that what you're saying here? I'm saying this Batman doesn't really weight train. That's all. I mean, it is what it is. So we, we get Jack Napier being completely jokerified. He does take out Grissom in that big shootout that we saw. And he does take over these syndicate of crime families. And he has a, basically a two-tiered plan. One, go after Batman for revenge. And two, because the media is glorifying Batman every step along the way, instead yeah. of glorifying the Joker's nefarious deeds and baddiness, he's just going to take out the citizens of Gotham. And there's one soliloquy after the next, and I love how it connects back to that chemical plant, Mike. He wants to use all those chemicals, essentially, to inflict the same pain that has infected him. And it's also doing a bunch of things. It's deconstructing modern superficiality. It's parodying modern consumerism with all those commercials. It's, it's creating modern art out of human beings. On all those levels, it's working. You're absolutely right. And yet on the most basic of levels, why would you make this poison so convoluted? Like, mm -hmm. the poison only works if you use the lipstick, the hairspray, and the deodorant in concert with one another. Because then it's untraceable, and then it's enough to kill you. But if you only use the lipstick, it's not going to do anything to you. I don't know. What? I guess he just wanted a few people to die of it. And it's just really funny, like the newscasts where they don't have makeup for a couple... Mike, you can clean I yourself. I love that. That's funny, though, right? They take away all the... So the makeup is what kills people. So we see the newscasters in one scene they all made up. And, and the next scene, they got blemishes everywhere, hairs going crazy. 
Casey. Very funny. And you're right. It is absolutely a commentary and a takedown on, you know, what do you call it? Good-looking culture, I guess? Yeah. The bourgeois. <laughs> yeah. The bourgeoisie. It's hilarious. So in this Joker's big coup de grace, he says, listen, there's this big 200th anniversary festival for Gotham going down. The city officials want to cancel it. I'm not going to let it be canceled. He takes over the radio waves and the television station and says, not only is the festival happening, mm. but I'm going to drop $20 million in cold hard cash over the people at the festival, over the city of Gotham's patrons. And let's see if Batman shows up. And for, let's see if Batman shows up. the big dukeroo. <laughs> but <laughs> funny. the reality is he wants all the citizens there so he can release this toxic gas out of these floats in this parade. Terrifying. And kill them all. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And how about when he takes over the chemical plant, right? To do this big plan, right? We basically have a scientist on the assembly line <laughs> and Joker's on the, you know, the floor above. The walkway, yeah. The walkway, and he's like, can you ship a million of those things? <laughs> and the scientist just turns and he's like this old German man. He's like, yeah, what the hell's wrong with that guy? A giant clown is in your factory and immediately you're like, this was my plan all along. As long, as long as the check clears, man. A kindred spirit, <laughs> fine. And Joker's like, let's take him out another door. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is going on there? So the plan actually comes to fruition. He does release the toxic gas. It is almost immediately foiled by Batman and his bat plane. So how about Arliss, though? The heroic actions of slimy, you know, flirting with Vicky Vale Arliss for the rest of the movie. Superhero right here. This is the guy you really respect, right? Yeah. I mean, he's going out there he's saving her he's saving a lot of other people he just got a little gas mask going on there he's he's clipping all of the the first wave of balloons this is why I don't think there's any kind of commentary about the media made purposefully in this because yeah. the media is they're they're victims and then they're the heroes as well. So you're not really taking any taking any of their teeth out by saying that they're the ones demonizing and creating this madman. <laughs> I don't think that works. And like Batman's <laughs> just flying around in the sky, <laughs> waiting till the perfect point where he can get the you know the Batwing over the full moon or something. Sure. Well, he got to look good for the the headline and the he's picture. Got, he's got a Swiss Army knife front to the batwing <laughs> apparently where he could in their own slot each in their own slot grab every one of these balloons i appreciated that because <laughs> they, we're still not totally out of batman 1966 well, batman 1966 was the most extreme yeah. version of we are prepared for everything manta ray we spray. have yeah we have shark <laughs> repellent spray we have penguin poison repellent spray so this was kind of the adaptation of that like we're ready in case somebody some baddie comes into gotham with, with balloons giant balloons leaking just gas. in case yeah. i have a balloon clip <laughs> I have a string clipper with at the front of my Batwing, which can probably go freaking supersonic. So that's the evil deed. Joker is foiled by Batman, so he says, I'm fine. I am going to have my one last. He's going to adapt. He's going to take Vicki Vale, Bruce Wayne's lover, yeah. his, who Joker wants to be his lover, take her to the top of this bell tower, and he's going to try to lure Batman up there ridiculous. to kill them both. It's ridiculous because there's plenty of space for that helicopter to fly down in front of this cathedral and just lift him up right there. Why is he... Joker like, wins. 10 minutes away. Joker has Batman and Vicky Vale hanging over the side of this church. Step on their toes. He's standing on the ledge. And win. There's a helicopter waiting to take Joker to wherever. Yeah. The ladder comes down from the helicopter. First of all, he could step on their hands and make them fall. Mm -hmm. He chooses not to do this for some reason because he's a Joker. He's mm -hmm. having fun. He's laughing and dancing. But he grabs the ladder from the helicopter at the very, very bottom rung, which he doesn't need to do. 
I mean, by just by doing well, that, he slips to the bottom rung. He, he, it's no, second, no, Mike, second to he, bottom. He, second to bottom. Yeah. yeah, he grabs the second to bottom <laughs> and then slips to the. He could have grabbed his whole. First of all, you're doing a whole upper body exercise. Jack Nicholson's a great Joker. He doesn't have a great upper body. Look, we've seen this time and again. The problem with this Batman is they got to get into the gym. The Batman and the Joker. <laughs> the they both guys. have learned, yeah. and later, you know, later. Examples of this: Jared Leto's ripped, and Ben Affleck <laughs> right, is ripped. Right. So they yeah. have no problems. This is a like shortcoming. This. You're absolutely right. This was addressed. <laughs> but yes, he does grab onto the bottom of the ladder. He slips to the absolute last rung. Batman bat hooks the wire across both Joker's ankle and the stone guard. Which Joker knows he has. Yes. He has those toys. So why wouldn't he just kick Batman out of there? <laughs> Which he probably save himself like he does anyway. Why don't you just kick Batman off the fucking ledge? <laughs> Do it. It's so dumb. <laughs> and it's Joker so dumb. is dragged down by the stone gargoyle. Falls to his death below, has a very creepy laughing end, and yeah, that's the last we we'll see of him. So was this an evil enough Joker deed, Michael? Not really. He's also blindsided by the fact that he killed Batman's parents, and that's just absurd. I hate that, that story. That I hate that shoo-in. I like the joke, though. I liked it. I made you, you made me. I, I like that, parents. yeah. Like, they're yeah. joking it away. I forget and the line. That's an, another underrated thing that Jack yeah. was doing. While he knows he doesn't have the upper hand and Batman's going to beat the crap out of him, he's saying jokes, although he's like, you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, <laughs> would you? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, this movie made me laugh 20, 25 times. It really did. So not, jo- not evil enough of a plot for you, though. It is pretty evil. He's trying to kill an entire town. He's, and he's going to succeed. Right. If not for Arliss. <laughs> and then Which is a sentence way. on my tombstone, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had it if not for Arliss. I think this is a, a plenty evil enough scheme. I think this I is a, an underratedly evil Joker scheme. Taking out the entire population of Gotham, you know, in a vacuum where Gotham is the only thing that exists in this world, this comic book world, you're basically saying you want to eradicate the entire population. That's evil. And yeah, he's taking it from the Dark Knight Returns from Frank Miller's mm-hmm. uh, Joker there, and it really works. Gassing people in public and letting the smiles hit their faces, you know, that's from that comic book. <laughs> yeah. One of the few that I've read, and I love that, and it was terrifying, and it still is. All right, let's talk about how Joker was this Joker. And finally, on a scale of one to Joker, how Joker was he? Mike? How Joker was this Joker? This is Joker. This is Joker. This is Joker yeah. for me. I mean, it's one of the iconic yeah. Joker performances. I have to give it Joker. <laughs> so this That's is all the way Joker. All me. the way Joker, yeah. So now there's nowhere to go, though. There, you can't go any higher Well, than someone Joker. else could be Joker, too. I mean, yeah, Right, you could only equal this performance. You can't surpass it, is what you're saying. I don't know. You did a scale of one to Joker. Right. And this is Joker. Well, that's it. That's the scale, then. You. That's it. That's the high mark. Joker plus one. Can we do that? <laughs> no, this is very scientific and stringent. When you think of Joker, who's the first portrayal that comes to mind? Look, I grew up on this Joker. Sure. Really did. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this performance. Do I think Heath Ledger's going to come out above it? Does that mean I have to... I have to only pick one Joker. I resent no, this exercise. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just being. When I think of Joker, devil's advocate, I think of you know Jack and Heath and the cartoon, and I'm hoping Joaquin, hoping. Yeah, uh, same here. I, this is prototypical. One of the people you do think of. I'll be honest. It's not the first name I think of when I think of Joker. I don't think Heath is either, to be honest with you. But really, yeah, I, I think it's Mark Hamill for me, the, the cartoon. But I don't think the cartoon exists without Jack's portrayal. Right. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with it. So this may be like all credit and respect to Cesar Romero. 
I think, and this is what I said in the non-spoiler section, I think this is the godfather of Joker performances. And I think this is truly the one where everyone draws from originally. Everyone still draws from right, this one. Right, Maybe not Cesar Romero anymore. Yeah, I think that's one, where I would land on yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, this is definitely Jokery enough to be Joker. Uh, I agree. And it's, it's going to be tough to top Joker. Joker, Joker. <laughs> I, I don't know what you... I, you Came up with a flawed exercise, I guess. Absolutely not. No, we're going to argue about this going forward. Um, Mike, if you were the Joker, how would you approach the character? Would you go dark? Would you try to be campy? If you had full creative control. After what I've seen in both these performances, I think Heath talked out of the top of his eyelids a little more. Yes. But Jack also does this. I think Heath needs a little more soliloquizing. Soliloquizing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think... Dancing Joker has got to be everywhere, and I think that lacks from so Heath's good. performance yeah. a little bit. Like the fact that you can get him. You to don't dance. think it would have undercut Heath's performance if he did that? I don't know. I See, it, it works with fun. Jack's performance, even though it's so bizarre. Let's and get, I don't know what this obsession is with these comic book movies, where we have to have a dance number for one of our main characters, <laughs> as poorly executed by Sam Raimi Spider Man Three as the clearest example. Mm-hmm. But it works here for some reason. It really does work. It's probably going to work in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Probably. So we're probably going to get all of it in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and then some because it's the movie's dedicated to him. Yeah. Oh, man. Excited. Let's go. Let's go. Excited. Let's see what Joaquin can pull from this Jack performance. We obviously want to know what you think about the Jack performance in general. And is this the Joker that you think of when you hear the term Joker before seeing the movie, The Joker, coming out early October, where this is all leading up to? Obviously, we want you to go back and give us your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, not only about this episode, but what did you think about that Joker versus Pennywise skit that we pitched back in the last episode? And do you oh, have that's any more than fond- a skit. That is a, a feature film. film. Yeah. Idea. We took you through all three acts. We're ready. And we want to know, obviously, what you think about Cesar Romero's portrayal and how it stacks up to Jack's, as well as any comments, questions, concerns that you have about anything else we do in the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us and leave us those at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM, and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, which includes Apple Podcasts. And as always, we are asking and begging of you if you could take a couple seconds out of your day. Just go to your podcast app in your iPhone, go in the bottom right-hand corner, tap on search, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar, hit submit, you will be able to tap on our cartoon faces, on our logo. 30 seconds. When you do that, just scroll down, hit the five star, that would mean so much to us, and you'd be doing a good deed in 30 seconds to feel better about your day with as well. Michael, what do we have next from MMO, and what are some good words of wisdom to end this Jack Nicholson Joker character study episode with? This town needs an enema. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of towns do, to be honest. I well, think this one we're in certainly could use one. <laughs> I think that's wisdom. But what's coming up next in the Joker character study is Mark Hamill, and following that will be Heath Ledger, so that's our next two weeks. What's coming up next this particular week, we have Oscar Race Checkpoint. We're going to have a our first of what we hope is many guests on that show doing a guest spot 20 minutes or so talking about the fall film festivals like telluride where he just came from yeah excited about that we're going to review it chapter two as a movie event we don't yet know what we're going to review as a new movie next week we still got to decide is the goldfinch going to be good do we get an early look at parasite we got to make a decision for next week but it chapter two that movie event format which we love basically an award show format yeah where we come up with our own superlatives and some legitimate nominations as well i hope that this has legitimate nominations within it the the it, uh, it chapter two there a lot of buzz are surrounding mm-hmm. it if you want to go 
back to see what we're talking or listen to what we're talking about, go check out Oscar Race Checkpoint from last week. But we are excited for it. Two hours and forty five minutes though. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to record that the next day. Yeah. We can't do it no, night no, all in one night recording. Yeah. So we're gonna do the a chapter two episode we think uh, for the weekend yeah. and Oscar Race Checkpoint will be Friday again. Right? We think? Perhaps? Maybe. Maybe so? I don't know. You don't know yet? It makes sense though. I thought you agreed to that this might yesterday. be what we do. <laughs> Didn't you give me an affirmative on this yesterday after 74 texts? I say a lot of things, Mike. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you for It Chapter 2 in a couple days. See you. Ah, 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 ah.